It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Still to come on the show today, we go around the NFL, review each and every game. Also, our picks coming up at 5.30. Then at 6 o'clock, the latest on the Commander's coaching surge, Eric Bieniemy interviewed today. Uh, we'll talk about that, why they would do it, why it's a good idea, why it might be a bad idea, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Also, uh, coming up a little bit later in the show, kind of news and notes uh, section, if you will. We'll get you caught up on Every single coordinator and head coaching interview over the weekend, including the latest on, uh, uh, yeah, Ron Rivera, former commander's head coach, uh, interviewing in Philadelphia. Chris, you can you can just come in normal. You'll be fine. Everybody say hello to Chris Russell. There, Hi, there he is. Everybody. Yep, yep, there, yep, he's still here. Um, it's okay. He just had to get his bag. Um, I mean, I knew I knew earlier you weren't going to be able to leave without your coat, so I put that out there for you. Then I realized your bag was there because your keys were in your coat. Yeah, okay. Well, he's just he's very seemingly in a hurry not to entertain my nonsense right now. Anthony, I thought I thought he would enjoy being more of a part of the show. He just he just came in and he tried to do that quietly. I should have known. Yeah, I mean, he continued to do more and more radio after his show. So Yeah, I, I guess I, I think he was doing a podcast. Yeah, he might be all radioed out. Yeah, that's fair. He might be tired. Might be. I got six jobs. <laughs> I don't get You won't get tired. I don't get tired. All right, uh, so that's still coming later on in the show. Right now, though, uh, by the way, also typically Mondays, uh, Michael Phillips for Not My Beat. Uh, Phillips out today. Uh, so Michael is going to join us tomorrow at this time. But now, without further ado, uh, let's get you today's edition of Not My Beat. Which... I definitely forgot you have no, so you have no computers. Does this one not work? Which one? That one. Isn't I mean, that... the one in front of me does, but... I, I when I said I sent it to you. Oh no, I have. I thought you were playing the imager though. It's got the imager in the interview. <laughs> wow. Oh man. You, honestly, just let's. I let's just redo hold it. on before you hit before you hit play, Anthony. Let's redo I just it. want to apologize to the audience. This might be the worst radio show we've ever done in two years, and some of it's our fault. Uh, some of it, I, I think, if I was doing a radio show about this radio show. I might be like, you know what, Craig and Anthony have faced a lot of circumstances today. Um, technology really was not their friend. Um, they weren't necessarily set up for success. Um, there's also some things that they probably could have been better prepared for that could have avoided some of those pitfalls. They could have gotten ahead of things and listened to things ahead of time or exported files so that it didn't just at the last minute be a surprise that something was going to happen or not happen. All that... Could, all that is true, um, and we could be kind to ourselves and say that. Or we can just apologize to you, the audience, and from this point forward, when we get out of this taped interview, which is only a few hours old and is still very relevant, so please you know, treat it as if it's live. The information is just as good. We're going to do better. That's on the uh, start. I mean, we're going to hit play, and it will be better from there because the mic is fantastic. I know because it's a taped interview. So really good stuff coming for the next 15 minutes. But when we get back to talking to you live, we're going to do better. I'm putting a stop to it right now. And with that, it's time for Not My Beat. Today's top story from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not My Beat. On uh, the day, or on a day, I should say, where the Buffalo Bills are kind of in 
eye of the NFL's attention, you know we are going to go to Buffalo and talk to our guy, Mike Shope, WGR, longtime radio host up there, Shope and the Bulldog. And um, Mike, uh, you and I, you know, we're, we're talking a little bit earlier in the day to set this up and said, you know, I'm used to this. Uh, this is, this is uh, unfortunately a thing that uh, folks that have been around Buffalo and are Bills fans are, are just used to at this point. What's, what's it like in Buffalo today? Uh, on a day where you know you lose another heartbreaker in the playoffs, and especially even for this generation of Bills fans, to that team from Kansas City again. Well, I think in a word, maybe above all other words, it's sad because this team has been so good and so close for now five years, at least four, and that makes it not unique, but you know, a kind of a rare situation. It's complicated. You know, you don't know maybe how critical to really be. Last year, they had DeMar Hamlin go down. They end up as the two seed. They lose to the Bengals. And a lot of people were like, you can't blame them. They're exhausted. I mean, to have to go through that. And there was a, a blizzard last year. That, you know, a lot of things came up, real life things that probably attributed to their, uh, you know, running out of gas, if you will. And this year, really, you know, I'm still kind of processing it, but it's not that different. I mean, they had a tough season at times, especially earlier with uh, some weird, almost inexplicable losses. And then they got right. And they, because of how the season started, they put themselves in a position where they needed to win like 10 straight. And they, you know, maybe not that surprisingly couldn't get there playing this kind of competition. So post-game shows, day after shows, after losses like that, or a combination of here's why they lost, here's what they got wrong. Why did they spend money on this guy? Everything, like everything that a fan has thought for months, perhaps, is sort of back on the table. And it's just like, all right, I'm not sure I want to be scrutinizing this to that extent already. You know, let's have a drink, take a shower, take a take a <laughs> look at it. And yeah. uh, really, the, the, the city is just disappointed that, again, they're, with the Chiefs at home, this was supposed to be, you know, different, and it wasn't. Yeah, no, I think you make such a great point. Um, I thought about this during the game, early in the game yesterday, about just how many games in a row they were going to need to win to win the Super Bowl and the improbability of that because, like, they were the hottest team in football. But the the reality is eventually there's going to be at least a little bit of, of regression to the mean. And a three-point loss to a very good Chiefs team is, you know, call that regression to the mean or just the law of averages, whatever it is. Um, and, and I it just... I guess I would be curious too of like, I know I'm kind of now asking you to think that you're not ready to do yet, but like, <laughs> do you feel like this is something that this team can move on from and they come back again and they can try again next year? Or is like this some kind of final breaking point where you just go, we need to do something major and change it up. Obviously Josh Allen's going to be the centerpiece, but like, what is the the kind of feelings of where this team tries to go from here? So not explicitly necessarily, but the way I've looked at how they've sort of laid out their timetable is the offseason before last, I think they might have looked at it as a two-year opportunity. You know, not that Allen will have aged out, but far from it, but with some of the contracts, reworking digs, adding Von Miller, Oliver, Dawson Knox, so they really have spent up and... Leonard Floyd acquired this year, not big money, but like veterans keeping Jordan Poyer after it was suspected that he would leave. You know, there's just been that sort of mentality, which I absolutely do not blame them for. I and mean, that's what you do in sports. You know, they're, they're, they're close. 
now I think they're forced into a situation where they're going to have to revamp a little bit. Maybe that's Von Miller. That's a huge dead cap number. This is a day they knew was coming. Uh, they just wanted to have a ring by now and said they don't even have an AFC championship in these two seasons. So I'm not sure what they'll do, but this is a turning point, I think, for the Allen Bills, where they, they had the rookie contract year. They didn't quite years. They didn't quite get there. They had this year where they pushed in even further. And now, I mean, they're old, Craig. Like, they, they're old. They've got money tied up in a lot of players. Stephon Diggs included, the way last night went and his season went, just really downhill. Um, he's going to be an interesting one, if not exhausting one, to talk about. So there will have to be changes, and I welcome it for them. I think that it's an opportunity to get younger. The team they lost to last night won a Super Bowl last year doing that. They traded Tyreek, and they felt like they had to step back a little bit and they won anyway. And I think Allen gives you such a high floor as a player that the bills could easily do that. I mean, they went 11 and six. They don't need to have all those veterans to go 11 and six. Yeah. Mike Shope is with us. WGR in Buffalo. Like this is, this is the fascinating conversation that happens uh, for you. We, we have not had this kind of conversation here. Um, well, the last time they won 11 games was 1991 uh, for the commanders franchise. So, you know, ever uh, of like, you know, it's one thing to try to get to that double digit win kind of team when you're an eight and eight team or you're a six win team, you're kind of in that bottom to middle frequently where most of the NFL exists. But when you get a guy like you guys have with Allen, it's, it's how do you maintain a window? Um, and, and I, that also comes up like to the coaching stuff too, of like, okay, if you're winning 11, 12 games every year, obviously this guy's good enough to get us there, but is it the right guy to get us to the mm -hmm. next level to win that championship? So long wind up to ask, like, what is the future for Sean McDermott, the coordinators, and and even higher than that, Brandon being the GM who built this thing and, and the thing that ultimately comes up short again? It's such a hard question. You never really know. You know, like, did Andy Reid have to leave Philadelphia? I mean, then he went to Kansas right. City and look at this. You never really know. You, you Not that I need to go here, but you might have had it with the Capitals or even the Nationals in Washington. Where oh, like, for sure. You can no, get we did. right here and then what do you do about it, you know? Right. And this is interesting, like as I start our offseason here, last year and a little bit even the year before that, McDermott has his critics, too conservative, big games, they can't win with them. And I never wanted to settle for that because I remember the Manning Colts, you know, and teams where you, you can't win until you do, then you could have right. one. And I, I've said a lot, like, I can't imagine the Bills having the same season in 2023 and wanting them to change coaches. Like, there's a lot I don't like about McDermott's style, but I still think that that's probably crazy and unlikely. And I guess I, I, I put myself there, so I'm still there. Like, I, I think it's probably a management team that considers themselves very lucky to have Sean McDermott, you know, maybe not even understanding what the criticisms are about. Um, but one of these years, it will be one too many, right? If, if it just never changes, he doesn't have the job for life. So I'd expect him back. Um, he is the defensive side of the ball. Again, we have a playoffs where the offensive coaches, not entirely necessarily because of their own doing. One of them has Patrick Mahomes. One of them has, you know, uh, well, golf, but offensive coaches are in the championship round again. And that's sort of the quandary when it comes to McDermott and always has been like you hire a defensive coach, you lose your OC like Dable left. So I guess I'm it's day one. I'm not expecting changes, but um, 
it wouldn't be unprecedented, would it? No, for sure. And, you know, we're obviously going through that conversation here in D.C. when people are like, go hire Mike McDonald from Baltimore. And it's like, OK, well, what happens when um, or, you know, do you go just hire the offensive guy? Um, which brings, I guess, to the, the logical follow up, Mike, being like, what do you do for the offensive guy? They fired Ken Dorsey middle of the season. The numbers got worse, but you didn't lose. So something changed that was uh, good for the results. Maybe it was just the luck. Is Joe Brady back with Josh Allen next year in an offseason to put his spin on this thing? Or do they go out and try to find someone else to, to coach up Josh Allen next year? I would guess Brady is back, assuming like he doesn't get hired somewhere. Atlanta had some yeah. interest, and he's a little bit of a name, but was only on this job for half a season. And... It, I bet to the Bills, they thought it went well, even last night. I mean, they had such a strange game to lose. I mean, Diggs catches that bomb from Allen, and we're talking about a totally different ball game. Yeah, or even after that. where Yeah, or, and, yeah or pick another half dozen plays. Those two plays from the two-minute warning, the two passes yep. before the missed field goal. Uh, that's, that's sports. Like, I don't know. I think Brady turned – this team 90 degrees to a run heavy team kind of like out of nowhere. And it always worried me because they were winning those games, but they were barely winning the chargers and the Patriots, the Steelers, even a little bit like where did the passing game go? And now they're throwing for 186 last night, even without a sack or a turnover, you know, game script doesn't explain that. They just, Allen completed two passes on 45 dropbacks last night that went for more than eight yards in the air. I just what happened? So they have to find some speed. They have to find better playmakers. That's been a recurring comment thought here for a few years. And they haven't really sufficiently done that. Um, I bet if Brady fit into McDermott's ethos, which watching them run the ball all the time, I feel like he almost definitely did. Then I feel like he's back if he wants to be. All right. Wrapping up uh, here with my show. Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to try to think of a happier note to end on, but in the absence of thinking of a happier note to end on, the fact that it it ultimately ends with a kick that goes wide right. I think anybody who is a neutral, nevertheless, uh, rooting for Buffalo in the game, nevertheless, an actual Bills fan, uh, nevertheless, a lifelong uh, you know Buffalo uh, person like yourself, as soon as that kick starts to fade, you're going, uh, anything but this. They can lose. Please don't make it be like this. Like, I just, I don't even know if there's a question here, Mike. Yeah, just the fact that it ends like that, what? What's left? That's right. What, yeah. What's left to have to? It didn't happen in a Super Bowl. Is the only thing that makes it better? Is that <laughs> even better? Uh, I don't know. I think about Scott Norwood himself when that, when this happens. Yeah. Like just great. This is what I needed. You know, I'm, I've, I've been retired for thirty years, and now I have to he hear my name all the time again if I'm even sort of paying attention. But um, that's how it goes, right? Like when they lost two years ago. It's not even two years yet to the day that. 13 seconds game in Kansas city. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us thought this will be there forever until they win. And wide right has been that too. Like it's what in, in a phrase, it's what the nineties bills are sort of known as. And that doesn't go away until you win or maybe even win multiple times. And, you know, like teams do, they change the, the, the script. So, um, yeah, I mean, it took me less than – the ball hadn't actually crossed the the goal line yet in the air on the field goal before I and probably half the stadium at least was thinking, okay, here we go, wide right. Couldn't even have been wide left. Couldn't even have been – Yeah, right. Can we, can we get, get a mix-up? Just block um, it. All right, here's my, 
Here's my happier note to end on uh, with, with Mike Shope, WGR in Buffalo, of course, host of Shope and the Bulldog up there. Um, you, you still do have Josh Allen, which is nice. Um, is there like I, I have been able to witness this from afar and like you see who Josh Allen is as a person, nevertheless, as a football player. And he seems so beloved in that community. Is that is that still solid? Is that still whole like is is in general, there's always going to be, you know, a fan base is, is not a monolith, but generally speaking. Is there still like that, that comfortability, that excitement about saying, Hey, all right, at least we still have Josh Allen and whatever we do moving forward, we're comfortable with Josh Allen as our guy, even if he hasn't gotten us to the promised land quite yet. Yes. I I don't think there's really any significant faction of the fan base that would be critical of him through this. McDermott gets criticized uh, quite a lot, but Allen has, I think, convinced the masses that he's good enough to win with. I don't think that that sort of eagerness <laughs> in your question will manifest until much closer to the season, right? Cause there has to be a sort of a grieving period, if you will, first, but yeah, like when it get, when we get to summer and he's on the field and there'll probably be some new uh, weapons and other players to get excited about, I think fans can feel really optimistic about him. The thing that is interesting right now though, Craig is like, here's the AFC. And Mahomes has won here to go to a sixth straight AFC championship and one game away from a fourth Super Bowl, and he might be 28. Burrow has done it, and he's done it through Mahomes, and he's done it through Buffalo. And it could be that Lamar Jackson gets there and wins a second MVP. There are three players who've won multiple MVPs that are not in the Hall of Fame, Rodgers, Brady, and Mahomes. So Jackson joins that list. And where are you? You know, you have Allen, but it's it's plainly clear at this point that he doesn't set you apart from those teams. He gives you a chance against those teams. And the Bills have tried to find other ways to win, loading up on edge rushers, and now they're going to run the ball all the time, and they haven't done it. So you you can – a team can really sort of get messed up after this stretch of seasons where they might think they're out of ideas and end up making – you know, bad decisions, just gambles, you know, Uh, whatever that might, whatever that might be. But yeah, Allen is great. And the fans fully, uh, you know, concur. Yeah. Uh, Someone uh, reporting live from the quarterback desert. Enjoy it up there, Buffalo. <laughs> uh, enjoy it up there. Uh, Mike Shope on WGR uh, up in Buffalo. If you want the, to kind of get a taste of the local Buffalo coverage, uh, just search that station and you can listen to it and hear Mike and his co-hosts uh, doing the same thing they've been doing for how many years now, Mike? How many years have you guys been, been manning, uh, 21. manning the airwaves? 21, 21. years. Uh, doing a great job up there. Uh, Mike, always appreciate your time here in D.C. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line. Thank you, Craig. Always enjoy our chats. Thanks a lot. Hey, this is DA, and you're listening to The Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Coming up at the top of the hour, the latest on the Commander's coaching search. Uh, 
got some audio for some reporters on a couple other shows today with some updates and, of course, our own thoughts on, for instance, the commanders interviewing Eric Bieniemy. Um, so what do we make of that? A thing, a not a thing, a real candidate, not a real candidate, why it's a good idea, why it's a bad idea. We'll get to all that coming up at the, or in the 6 o'clock hour. Right now, though, at 5.30 on a Monday, it is time for us to look back at the NFL weekend and break down the games. We'll do two now, two in the next segment. Uh, Anthony, if there was only a way to divide the games, two and two. All right, there were two Saturday and two Sunday. So let's go in chronological order. Let's start uh, with the Saturday tilt between the Texans and the Ravens. And, I mean, this game was close for a long time. And then the Ravens just showed to be a completely different team. 60-minute game, you know, whole deal uh, by the end of it is is a blowout. And, you know, they score 17 in the fourth. Um, it's really only close in the first half, too, because you get that Steven Sims Jr. punt return from the Texans. By the way, did you know that he was still in the league? I did not know he was still in the league. Last I heard of Steven Sims, he was a returning punt for the Steelers. That might have been like two years ago. Yeah, he's had a wild, crazy career, uh, obviously starting here in D.C. And it's just another reminder of like some of the talented people that have been let out the doors here, specifically at returners. It's like, why did you not re-sign DeAndre Carter? Why did you not keep Steven Sims just to be the returner, even if you didn't think he'd develop as a receiver? Like, just a lot of te- a lot of decisions that are, seem silly, but also, like, Sims, you know, to his credit, got to a point where a playoff team was relying on him in, in a big spot uh, because he did have a fumble problem here, and, like, he wasn't reliable, and players grow, and it doesn't... Just because a guy doesn't work out in one place on a certain timeline doesn't mean that the team that let him go failed, although, you know... It, it does it does make it very difficult to see a guy who you let go go return a punt for a touchdown in the playoffs when you haven't sniffed the playoffs in a long time. Um, but I think, you know, like, people are going to gonna make this, and we're going to talk about this more in the 6 o'clock hour as well, like, McDonald beats Slowick head coaching-wise. Why would anyone hire Slowick over McDonald? Or why would anyone hire Slowick blah, blah, blah. And I think this is much more about the players on the field than it is the coaches. These are two very well-coached teams at this stage of things, but the Ravens have better players and they executed it at an extremely high level when push came to shove. I mean, Lamar, some of the throws he makes, the throw he makes a likely, the play that likely makes for the touchdown, like that's big time stuff. You know, he has obviously a couple of big carries. The way that Todd Munkin calls that offense in Baltimore, like next year, he's going to be the top one of the top head coach candidates on the market, I think. Um, and his name has come up a little bit this year, but it, it seems like people want him to be another year in the NFL uh, after you know being great at Georgia and, and what he's done with Lamar this year, leading him to probably an MVP season. But you look at it, the the balance they have running the football, the different backs, how how and when they choose to run Lamar to maximize his efficacy as a runner. He winds up over 100 yards, and that defense is just gross. Like, that's the thing that I think is is so crazy about Baltimore, Ant, is their linebackers especially, but their team speed in general, they're just on guys. Like, you catch the ball, and there's no space. E- either you have an incompletion and you can't catch it, or you catch it and you're tackled immediately. They're sure tacklers. They're right on you. They don't allow explosive plays. They're just an 
excellent freaking defense. And a huge part of that is what McDonald does, but a huge part of that is they've got a great D-line with sensational linebackers and Kyle Hamilton and company in the back end. Like, they're just good at all three levels. Yeah, well, Mike McDonald is doing – and the thing is, I think the defense is getting more attention than, you know, the offense. The offense is still, you know, going out there – execute and putting up numbers but I think the defense is what everyone gets so excited about and Craig this wasn't the first time that uh Mike McDonald you know stymied that Texans offense this was the second time they faced each other and the fact that you know McDonald's been able to do this against the league's you know best offenses he, he went to San Fran won yeah. the game uh he beat Detroit held them to three points uh the Dolphins they blew them out 56-19 so it's not <laughs> It, it, it's just the manner in w in which, you know, this Mike McDonald-led defense is doing to these prominent offenses around the NFL. And it is, you know, I think it's very uh, Baltimore Ravens-like, you know, the, a lot of grit, a lot of, um, you know, physicality. Just I, I, I love what the, the, the Ravens are They're so are good. And the thing is, like, maybe, just maybe, it wasn't Mike McDonald doing this twice to Bobby Slowick. It's mm -hmm. like, maybe it's... Uh, the Ravens have great players, and that's why they're able to do it consistently. It's not some schematic magic. And, like, he just puts them in position to succeed, and they do because they're great. Like, it's both. But it Ron, is both, You got sure. Ron Darby out there. Yeah. To be honest, like, going into the season, I couldn't tell you, except probably like one person or two people, uh, like, who was in the defensive backfield for the Ravens. You got Marcus Williams, and then you got uh, um, Marlon Humphrey. Oh, well, he's hurt. Right. But, like, going into the oh, season, yeah. it was like Marlon Humphrey. Yeah. Is Hamilton going to Hamilton take yep. off as a sophomore? Uh -huh. And then we'll see. They had a whole bunch of question marks. But I, I, I just feel like, you know, the Stevens, yeah. like, he was a converted safety. Now he's playing corner. So, yeah, just, it, it's a testament to, like, what Mike McDonald has been able to It is. Them. And I think, you know, it's not – it's not just schematically for McDonald. Like, to give him the credit where it's due, right? I'm not mm -hmm. trying to just push back against anything. Just like, it's all the players. Like, <laughs> they have done such a good job. And this is years long, but McDonald certainly fits into this. They teach at such a high level, mm -hmm. right? So that's how you take – because, and I, and I guess why, like, sometimes people I, – I just get tired of the McDonald scheming it up. He doesn't do anything that spectacular schematically. He calls a really good game. Mm -hmm. good situations, mixes it up enough. They bring good simulated pressures. They bring good pressures. But, like, they're just so solid in what they do, which is both the players being great and they teach at such a high level. And ultimately, especially defensively, that's what matters. You want to see bad taught, badly taught football? Look at the Washington Commanders in 2023. You want to see well-taught football? Look at the Baltimore Ravens in 2023. Yep. Like, that's the magic. That is position coaches, coordinator, head coach, all being on the same page with a vision and being able to teach globally, hey, this is what we are trying to do. And as part of that, here is what you need to do. It is so clear when you watch them because everyone is so assignment disciplined. And the reason I think that's more important defensively than offensively versus like you can kind of scheme it up, win with the pen more on offense is what are the two keys for defense? Assignment and alignment. Do you know where you're supposed to be and do you know what you're supposed to do? Mm -hmm. And those guys do at a high level. And by the way, they're super capable because they're good players. That's the magic of McDonald. And by the way, that is a really, really good uh, 
characteristic to have in a head coach. I want someone who's a great teacher because I want you to be able to understand what it is that you're trying to get accomplished to any player on the field, offense or defense, and be able to help that position coach or that coordinator if it's not clicking. Like, let's say, you know, Terry McLaurin's not getting something and Mike McDonald's a head coach and the OC and, and him can't get on the same page. If McDonald understands what's supposed to be happening, he can be like, hey, we're trying to get this, do this, work with the receiver coach, get this technique. Like, that's a good thing to have as a head coach. So, yeah, their their whole organization is just top-notch, and this seems like a culmination of a lot of work. Um, I also can't wait for when they win the whole freaking thing for everyone to do the dumb Lamar narrative of like, <laughs> oh, why didn't everybody go after Lamar? See, he's great. Yeah, you know what that's proving? The rest of us who said there's no way Baltimore would ever let him leave mm-hmm. because they knew he was this Good. You're proving our point, not yours. Please learn about restricted free agency. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, Texans, I don't really have a lot to say here. Like, hats off. Hats off to D'Amico. What you're building is amazing. You've got some really, really impressive young players who are not just great players, but great from a culture standpoint and what you're trying to build moving forward. Obviously, Stroud is phenomenal. The moment was not too big for him. They just, the other team was better. Like, they got beat. It wasn't like they necessarily beat themselves. They, they got beat because nobody's open ever because the Ravens are super good at what they do. Um, and that's that's kind of that. And then Lamar did Lamar stuff. So they there there is a lot of learning, I think, and a lot of discipline that needs to happen on that team. It's a fairly young team. Yep. But like the, the penalties on the offensive line were brutal for them Man. in this game. That is the one area where they kind of beat themselves. But it also felt like some of, hey, Baltimore's, Baltimore's got the screws turned on us. Uh-huh. We're a little tight. We're a little tense. And I think that's more of a maturity thing that'll happen for them probably as soon as next year. And then obviously the big question for D'Amico is going to be, if Slowick gets a job, who do you have as the OC? And if not, and you get lucky, you better start grooming somebody because that dude ain't going to be here. Like he, he's Much got longer, one year yeah. left max mm-hmm. for sure. Um, all right. Meanwhile, Packers, 49ers. Um, I mean, the, the, the nails just... End of the game, Brock Purdy, I've been kind of terrible. Or not terrible, but like I've been kind of mad most of the game. I'm just going to put together a literal perfect drive. Unbelievable. The way they use Ayuk, the way they use McCaffrey, closing it off. I mean, Kittle has a big drop, but has some big catches as well. And they get Jawan Jennings involved a ton. Like they just, they figured out how to shift eventually without Debo. And oh, by the way, this defense is really good and makes plays. Like, I feel really good about the fact that I picked this team to win the Super Bowl. I'll put it that way. Yeah, considering all the adversity uh, the 49ers had to go through, I think they needed this uh, going into uh, next week um, against the Lions. Look, they, they're battle-tested. Uh, Brock Purdy proved that you know he can overcome uh, some challenges. And uh, I, I, th- I think a lot of people, like, I, I saw Ryan Clark talking about, you know, Purdy shouldn't be in a conversation with all the other quarterbacks that are still left remaining. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think he's done just enough to, to a point where he deserves the respect. Like, even though, you know, he might not be a, uh, a Josh Allen that can go out there and win the game. But of course. I, I just feel as though. But that's not a his lot job, people, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. It's like, who's the best player on the team? Mahomes is. Allen is, Lamar is. Like You're not gonna say for, that for Goff and for 
Goff to a like Goff's in the more in the middle, obviously. Mm-hmm. But for Goff and for Purdy, their job is to get the ball to the good guys. They're exactly. not the good guys themselves. They're they're very good at what they do. Mm-hmm. But like their job, it, it's like you know if you're playing point guard with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, like back when going old school here, back when like Jared Jack was a member of the Warriors yeah. early in the the dynasty days, or like you know you're Draymond Green on offense. Your job is to set screens and make passes. Mm-hmm. Your job ain't to shoot, bro. And so Brock Purdy's job is to quickly and efficiently get the ball to Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, whatever. And he's really good at it, just like Draymond is really good at it for the Warriors. I know Draymond's a complicated figure. Don't worry about that right now. Just focus on how good he is as a passer. He makes the right read, gets the right guy the open shot, and you let them do the the hard thing, make it. That is ultimately the job of of Brock Purdy Mm -hmm. is like, I got Debo, who, by the way, I was just checking my phone because uh, I saw an alert come in, in in the last commercial break, and I didn't get a chance to read it, but read it real quick. No fracture for Debo Samuel, so he could be back this weekend. But Debo, McCaffrey, Kittle, uh, Jennings, Ayuk, like all these dudes are studs. All he's got to do is read the defense, put the ball where it's supposed to be, and let them cook, and he's excellent at that. Um, meanwhile, on the Packers side of it, Obviously, they're super young. Yep. They're really good. As long as love continues to get better, they're going to be around for a long time. It's if the pack if love winds up being a dude and they go far of Rogers' love, that is the stupidest luck that any franchise has ever had. Like the Chicago Bears in their division have never had one good quarterback in the history of their franchise, one for any extended period of time. Like, we're talking Sid Luckman in the 40s, I think it is, right? That's that's about as good as it got. The The Packers might go, cert, they went two Hall of Famers in a row, even if both of them, we found out, turned out to be turds. Um, and then we'll see what Love is. Hopefully, what if Jer- what what if uh, Love winds up being better than both those guys and, uh, and is a good person? That'd be cool. No welfare scam frauds. No whatever the hell Aaron Rodgers is doing. That'd be cool. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Um, All right. When we get back, we'll take a look at the Sunday games, and then 6 o'clock we dive back into the Commander's Coaching Search. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Coming up at the or in the 6 o'clock hour, we will discuss more about the Commander's ongoing head coaching search, the latest interview news, and some thoughts on the candidates being interviewed. Right now, though, we finish going around the NFL, breaking down the games from wild card or sorry, not wild card, uh, divisional round weekend. By the way, Anthony, uh, on the picks front, both 2-0 and on uh, on Saturday, Ravens-Niners. Yes, sir. And then we both had the Lions. Yes. And then we split the game that we're going to talk about last, and I'm not thrilled about it. I know. Uh, I almost feel like I should get credit. Anyway, we'll get there. Uh, Lions 31, Tampa Bay 23. Bucks a chance to make it interesting late, but Baker Mayfield the pick. How about that being the first career interception for Derek Barnes? What a time to get it to seal a playoff game and a chance 
to go to the NFC title game for the first time since 1991 for the Detroit Lions. Uh, Goff, 30 of 43 for 287. They rushed for 114 as a team, 74 from Gibbs, 33 from Montgomery. Um, and and the thing that I think is so impressive, you know, we talk about all the different things I like about Ben Johnson and this this Lions offense and why I think it's, you know, regard like I was talking about what they do in Detroit far beyond or far before it was like, yep, definitely having a head coach opening. Yep, Ben Johnson's the guy. And we always had an eye on it because let's be honest, we kind of knew coming into the year. But I, I think even going back to last year, something that really impressed me, they get the ball to their best players. It is essential to who they are. Look, look at the targets for this game, right? Here are the targets. Amon Ross St. Brown, 14 targets. Sam Laporta, 11 targets. Jameer Gibbs, four targets plus another nine carries. Montgomery, 10 carries. Jamison Williams, four targets. Many of them were deep shots. Like, they're so good at finding their guys in the right positions. They used their personnel. The one, they were like, we need dudes at these positions. They went out and got them from a roster construction standpoint, which obviously goes beyond the offensive coordinator, but starts with the offensive coordinator and the head coach uh, in Dan Campbell, who's got an offensive background, having a distinct vision for what they want to be. And they built a stud offensive line. And then they were like, okay, now time for the skill positions. We want a fast, quick guy running back. Let's go get Jameer Gibbs. We want a, a stud tight end. Let's go get Laporta. Amon Ross St. Brown's exactly what we want in a receiver, and they've done a great job. Shout out to uh, Antoine Randall-L, former Washington receiver, who's now the, the wide receivers coach up there. He's done a tremendous job. Um, Reynolds is like a pretty solid receiver, and he always seems to come up with big catches, first downs, touchdowns. So they just they do a good job of giving Goff a bunch of information, setting him up to succeed based off formation, personnel, and not having distinct tendencies. And the result is they've been the best, one of the best teams in football, period. One of the best offenses for sure for a season and a half. Since the middle of last year, they just turned it on. And really, they were pretty good offensively at the start of last year, too. Really, for two years, they've been a stud offense. Aaron Glenn finally figured out the defense midway through last year. And they've been, like, they've lost, like, five games since the middle of last year. They're for real, man. And if there wasn't Lions on the jersey... I think no one would even think twice. They wouldn't be like some Cinderella team. The only reason it feels like Cinderella is because they've stunk most of their history because they're the Lions. Yeah. Can't really, you know, say like how – I want to say I'm proud of the Lions. Uh, for, I'm, for, <laughs> I love it. I'm so in. I, you know I was in from Hard Knocks last year. Like yeah. I came out of Hard Knocks and been like, they're going to be good. I love – I don't know that it'll be good now. But, like, I love what they're building. They're doing it the right way. I love that they emphasize, like, character and who these people are and developing them as men. And, Mm -hmm. like, are this great? I'm going to actually pull this up. Anthony, say smart football things while I I find this exact quote. Uh, Yeah, the Lions have trusted the process. And it's also a testament because, guess what? They have two total playoff wins since, I want to say, 1996 or whatever it was. And Dallas only seems to have one. And somehow it, Dallas is always a favorite to win the Super Bowl. And Dallas, this was just some I mean, time. Dallas's you know, playoff deploy- disappointments are unbelievable. Yeah. Because there are two NFC teams since 96. <laughs> oh, the graphic. That, that haven't <laughs> been to an NFC championship game. 
Only one two. is the Commanders. Yep. Which makes sense based off the regular seasons they've had. And the other is the Dallas Cowboys, who have won 12 games a bunch during that stretch and still have never made it. Like, they've had buys. All they've had to do is win one playoff game. Yep. Couldn't do it. Closest they came was the game where Dez caught it, which he did catch it. Yeah. But what you going to do? Um, this is from a guy named Steve Magnus, who's like an author and coach and just overall incredibly smart human being. Um, a coach's job is to, ve- to develop people. That's the secret to great coaches. Their job isn't winning. That's an effect. Why? Obsessive focus on the outcome shifts your motivation and perspective. You stop seeing athletes as people. You treat them accordingly. They stop developing. There's a reason Bill Walsh wrote a book called The Score Takes Care of Itself. And John Wooden said the same thing. Saban preach process. And, and others, he continues to go on, uh, like running coaches and, and some folks that the the natural, like our listeners probably haven't heard of, um, and frankly, that some of them I haven't heard of. Um, it's not that winning doesn't matter. Of course, these coaches are competitive and want to win, but they realize that focusing on winning drags you away from the things that help you perform best. That is the approach the Lions have taken under Campbell, and that is why they will continue to win. Because also, those things allow you to focus on what makes winning players and that helps your scouting process, which is why I think they will continue to draft well. Obviously, Brad Holmes seems to have a good eye for talent, but they know what they're looking for, and they know what fits. And so, while, yeah, eventually they're going to have to pay some of these guys and make some tough decisions, if they can keep identifying the right positions, the right people, they'll replenish the cupboard, and they'll be able to go on a pretty good run here until Goff isn't good anymore or costs too much money and, you know, whatever. But like I, I think they're going to be in it for a long time. I, I, I could see Campbell there for 20 years, like Peyton was. I mean, Sean Peyton was the guy that he worked under, right? He, he came out of that tree, and I could see Campbell having a Peyton-esque run in, like he did in New Orleans. Of course, it helped that he had Breeze for most of those 20 years, but uh, we'll see what Campbell can do uh, in Detroit. Uh, last but not least, uh, Chiefs and Bills. We've talked about it. Um, as soon as I made the pick in this game, Anthony... I said, I regret picking against Mahomes. I wanted to switch, and I let you keep the Chiefs. Because you said you were going to fade me no matter what I did, and I just let you keep the Chiefs. Yep. I knew in that moment, (laughs) sorry, Buffalo, that I was was not going to get the correct pick. Buffalo could have won, though, man. They could have, but they didn't. That's kind of how this has gone. Yeah. Um, So close. It's not close enough. No. They ran it effectively. They threw it when they needed to. Do you think they got too predictable in the fourth, though? Like, in the third quarter when they were running the ball, like... Who, Buffalo or yeah, Kansas City? Buffalo. Because no, I, I, I think feel they like did. I agree. Every time, like, they, they got the ball in the fourth quarter, they started out with six offensive linemen, and they tried to go inside zone. And Kansas City, they already knew what was coming, so... I, 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 think, I don't know. Well, then what they Buffalo would get like they would actually run the ball pretty well. Yeah. And they'd get a couple of chunks and then they just start passing it. And you're like, dude, go go back to the run. Yeah. I don't get I don't get why coaches abandon the run when it works. It's like it's like, ah, we did it. We checked the box. And it's like, keep doing it. Because they were winning the trenches battle like they were. The they were first getting half. movement. Yeah. Movement, bro. Um yeah. For more on Buffalo, uh, rewind. Uh, or check out the Hoffman Show podcast. This hour is about to go up in the feed any moment mm-hmm. uh, as soon as I stop yapping. Uh, and Mike Shope and I talked about the Bills' end of season and where they go from here at the top of the hour. Definitely worth a listen in the Hoffman Show podcast feed. When we get back, though, latest on the Commander's coaching search and why, despite the fact that we will spend a lot of time talking about the NFL playoffs, you should consider 
the coaching results from the playoffs a lot less than you probably are when it comes to finding a head coach. I'll explain that nonsensical sentence next on the Team 980.